Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 168 of the Rough Cut Retrospective, a podcast that talks movies, TV, and pop culture amidst the world burning around us. I am one of your hosts, Jackson Meheran. Hi, hello, nice to meet you. Joined with me, uh, he, he just got off his double shift at the Copy Cabana. It's Carter Sims. I am the Eagle Eye. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing so well. Uh, we got quite an interesting uh, intro of a things we're doing mm-hmm. here uh, in, the, in the coming month. So why don't you uh, tell the people what we're doing and uh, introduce our other guest, Jackson? Yeah. So in this special time of January and February, when we don't have something like the Oscars to talk about, much like the theaters who dump their crappy movies everywhere i thought it would be fun if we did a double feature of some weird movies and uh, we'll get into what those are later after i introduced our other guest who will be joining us uh through the months of january and february on these special episodes uh he came here to eat candy and hunt witches and he's all out of candy it's jeffrey brown <laughs> Hey, everybody. I'm glad to hear that um, I'm making the dump episodes in January. I actually think I was on around this time last time, too. So things are coming together that I might be a filler episode, which is fine. But we love it. Happy to be back. back. I think this is my maybe my fifth time on the pod. So I might I'm going to turn into the Steve Martin of SNL here and get a five time members jacket. Ooh, it's in the mail already. So. Better than Alec Baldwin at this time? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe aged better. Maybe. Maybe. I handle rust a lot better. Um, I usually take my car to the shop. But... <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, off yeah, to a hot to start. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, should we just jump into... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk about the, the episodes that we're, we're covering, or the movies that we're covering today. Sure. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned before, we're doing double features throughout uh, the next two months. And, uh, this week we covered the glorious Eagle Eye from 2008 and Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters from 2013. So it's going to be an interesting episode. I think we had fun in our watches and I think we got some thoughts. Uh, but first Carter, tell me something, boy. Tell me something, boy. Ooh, boy. Get to start with me. Uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first off, I just want to mention I watched the Emmys. Um, not a lot of people nice. did. It seems like it was the lowest broadcast mm-hmm. in history. Sounded like so. Um, it was fine. You know, I had a good time. Succession in the Bear, pretty much the whole night. Good stuff. Um, so we're doing. I mentioned a long time ago. Lauren and I are doing this Best Picture watch of all mm-hmm. the Best Picture winners because she wanted to until she decides to stop which I imagine will be somewhere in the early 90s. Um, So we watched Everything Everywhere all at once this past week, and she was confused. And uh, (laughs) it was quite a time I was trying to answer her questions. I was like, I explained it to her. Like, you know, there's these different universes and you're a different version of yourself when you make these choices. And she was like, but like, why? I was like, well, I mean, fair fair question, fair point. so the rankings right now are Coda is still number one, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once is number two on her rankings right now. So interesting. Um, keep the people um, updated on that as we continue down. I think she's going to absolutely hate Nomadland, so I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, checked out Mean Girls. Uh, I don't know if any, nice. did anyone else check out Mean Girls this week. No, no. no. Um, Steph's draft pick. Steph's number one draft pick in the draft, and um, it was fun. I had a good time. It was not as good as the OG, but uh, you know, it was a good time at the theater, I suppose. I laughed. Um, and then the Biggest only other first one round since Johnny Manziel. Correct. <laughs> yes, it's the maybe the yeah. Johnny Manziel of the draft. We'll see. And then finally, I checked out American Fiction. Finally, it was finally in a theater that I could see it, and it was awesome. Highly recommend. Um, I really hope it shows up in the Best Picture race. I think it will. And I hope Jeffrey Wright shows up too, because we love him. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a good week. Oh, and I will mention also, I had to watch Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey this week, and I did not enjoy it in the slightest. It was awful. Can't wait for the second one this year. So, there's that. <laughs> um, what about you, Jackson? Uh, yeah, so Abby has COVID this week, so I've been camping Ooh. out in the living room. 
uh, just kind of using all my time to watch as many movies as possible. And so I knocked out Hansel and Gretel, which I had not seen before. Uh, so that was the first time viewing. Um, and then I checked out Saltburn, which was it was fine. It was it was like really controversial and it was like weirder in other parts. I think the part that they talked about was not nearly the weirdest part uh, of that movie. Bathtub? I checked. The bathtub was not that. I think the bathtub was not as bad as like the graveyard. Graveyard. Yeah, that was way worse. Improvised. And that was improvised, apparently. I about, about to like, say, did you see that that wasn't even like that was his idea? Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. I hated that part. Um, also, that like it was really beautifully shot, but like the story just like was not really that interesting to me. It's trying to be a lot um, of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I checked out a movie with equally disappointing story and I saw Downsizing with Matt Ooh. Damon, which I had never checked out. And the premise is really fun. And then you kind of are in it for two hours. And you're like, this isn't as fun as it would be. Yeah, and they kind it, of I don't know. It. It's just... It it lost me. It's kind of two different movies, um, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, then I got to one of my favorite movies that I watched this week, and that was Akira, which was super cool, super like gritty animated movie uh, that's kind of in like the realm of Ghost in the Shell. Um, yeah, just like a really cool like motorcycle gang turned like into the world threat type of deal with like all sorts of nonsense. That I, I just really liked. Um, got to see the the famous Akira motorcycle slide that's been homage in like a ton of movies uh, ever since then, which is pretty fun too. Um, then I'll just uh, run through these quick ones. Kung Fu Panda 3, fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the Bridesmaids Unrated, I thought was really funny. Mm. Renfield, which was, I think, Jeff's pick last year in the draft. Yeah. Uh, was uh, it was good. It was fine. Uh, Nick Cage was fun. But then I got to Dream Scenario this week, and that was the peak Nick Cage. Have you seen this one yet? You guys have either of you No. Yeah. I checked it out before our um, end of year pod that we did. I tried yeah. to get that one in before the end of the year. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was your pick, right? You it was, drafted that? Yeah, I drafted it. So I checked it out really fun. One of my favorite Nick Cage performances, honestly, like there's this one moment where his daughter takes a picture and he's like, Oh my God, delete that. And like his delivery on it is just like super funny. Um, but yeah, like just a super weird premise of like, this guy appearing in everyone's dreams and becoming a social phenomenon and like kind of riding that wave of social fame and canceling and, and all that, which was pretty, pretty neat. Um, but yeah. What about you, Jeff? Um, it sounds like you've been busy this week, Jackson. Dang. Uh, I was on a, Like I said, I was trapped in my terror. living room like the entire, <laughs> entire yeah. weekend. Um, I've only gotten to four movies so far this year. I'm committed. So my favorite genre is noir but I'm pretty, I'm not very well read on the old stuff. So I'm doing what chat GBT named for me. Noir or never is my 2024 Ooh, challenge. That's awesome. Where I'm going to watch 200 classic noir films is my challenge for the year. Oh, so huge. this year I started with double indemnity, um, which was great. Um, kind of, I mean, I say great. It was pretty boring through the first half. The back half was good though. Billy Wilder, um, baby. Billy Wilder. Um, great director, super underrated. Um, he did one nice. of my one of my all time favorites, The Apartment, um, which is his. I, I watched Laura, um, which is another great, just classic kind of a femme fatale movie. Um, Out of the Past, which has Robert Mitchum and Doug. It's uh, Kirk Douglas. That's who it is. Ah. So it's just Battle of the Chin Dimples, just classic. <laughs> And um and last night I watched Humphrey Bogart's um, In a Lonely Place, um, mm. which was good. Um, it was the worst of the four. I don't, Carter, you've probably seen it. Um, uh, yes, I have seen that one. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, I don't know. It's close between that and Laura for me, but I haven't watched it in a while. Double Indemnity is definitely the for me the best of those. But I liked Out of the Past the best. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Out of the Past. So no, oh, well, I mean. I gotta get those chin dimples. Like I'm there. the classic movie guy now, but Hello. um, <laughs> yeah, I just uh, Humphrey Bogart. I've given, I've watched probably eight or nine of his films, and I just can't, I can't buy that he's charming or attractive. Like he just continuously gets these golden age bombshells to fall in love with him in thirty seconds, and he just has such a Reddit energy to me about just <laughs> like, you know what I mean, just toxic masculinity vibe about how the world is out to get him. 
Um, kind of, I think he would love the Joker is all I'm trying to say. There we go. Um, but, uh, if but you yeah, haven't seen treasure of Sierra Madre, I think that's one of his best of him. So, okay. Check that out. I'll have to try that. Obviously Casablanca is amazing. So I'll give that's him the true. pass for that one. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, but yeah, that's been me so far. Nice. Huge. All right. Let's move on to our new, uh, new segment for the very first time. I'm seeing double. Oh, don't do this to me. I'm already seeing double. Parent trap action right there. Boom. Um, yeah, let's just start with. I, I guess I'll announce. Or I'll uh, I'll read off some log lines and some directors and some some stuff there, and then we can just get into some bigger conversations in general. Um, yeah, let's start with Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters, which came out in 2013, directed by Tommy Workola, which is uh, the director of Violent Night, which I thought was very oh. uh, interesting. Uh, that's that. Santa David Harbor Claus, yeah, David Harbor attack movie that um did pretty good, I think. I think people liked it for what it was. He has a type um, with the log line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is clearly like a a, re- a recurring theme for his stuff. Um, all right, but here's here's the log line: Brother sister duo Hansel and Gretel are professional witch hunters who help innocent villagers. One day they stumble upon stumble upon a case that could hold the key to their past. Ooh. Ominous, cool. Um, and then Eagle Eye, which was directed by DJ Caruso, who did I Am Number Four and Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Bangers. You know, quite a yeah, quite a filmography there. And it says uh, Jerry and Rachel are two strangers thrown together by a mysterious phone call from a woman they have never met. Threatening their, their their lives and families, she pushes Jerry and Rachel into a series of increasingly dangerous situations, using the technology of everyday life to track and control their every move. Um, what should we jump onto first? Do you want to talk talk about Hansel and Gretel or Eagle Eye? Um, I think we should start with Hansel and Gretel, or as you're calling it, Hansel and Gretel, which I love. So good for you. Oh, for is is that better? Well, Hansel. that's just the that's just the Midwest in me saying Hansel. So it's good <laughs> for you, Hansel and Gretel. Let's start there because I think it's okay. Quite a journey. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I want to start with my big question that I had going into this, and like within like the first five minutes of this movie is who is this movie for? Um, it seems to be like this really interesting genre approach of like. <sighs> And again, this is like of its times of like the 2010s of like it is a gritty action movie of like this children's, you know, fairy tale. But it's like rated R. It's, you know, there's cursing. There's pretty violent. Uh, there's a lot of violence in it, like throughout the the movie. And it just doesn't like really seem to nail the tone it's going for as far as like. Like, I don't know, like, it doesn't feel like super gritty to me, like the way that it wants to be. And it's taking itself too seriously at times. I just feel like it never really like lands or sticks in the same way that like Violent Night does, like in a, in a more modern context. I, I think it's so funny because having just watched Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, mm-hmm. um, this is fresh on the dome of just thinking about how we, our first instinct when we want to take public domain figures and turn them on turn them on its head and make it really mm-hmm. gritty and ugly. And I guess there is an audience for it because we're still doing it a decade later, even though that audience is like, I don't know, the, the grindhouse, ugly, gory stuff. I mean, it the Hansel and Gretel has that, but then there's like, and then you're like, oh, there's a, she's naked. She's naked in that pool. Like I wasn't expecting to see nudity in this movie, mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, there are some really grisly deaths really gory at times and yeah it tries to be funny and it tries to be serious and takes itself too seriously um yeah i don't know so like to answer your question i don't know who this is for but clearly there's an audience because they keep doing it so i don't know Jeff, I, think what do you think? I think it's indicative of a lack of creativity like it's like, what if we yeah. take this this classic thing and make them say the f word? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, is, like, that is definitely what it is. Like, is that seriously how you could come up with? Um, and it just didn't need to be like, like I feel like they could have toned it back and dropped the f bombs in the boobs and like 
it would have been the same movie and it probably still would have been kind of crappy and kind of campy, but like, like it just, I don't know. There was such this weird wave over the last 15 years of like, let's make it gritty. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I and, and really, like even like, like with DC or even star Wars, when they tried to do, although they did it pretty well for Rogue one, I would say, but like everybody wanted it to, to be like, everything's the death scene in the hallway at the end of Rogue one. Yeah. It's like, why, yeah. it can just be a movie. I mean, it can just be a fairy tale. I think a big like issue with this movie, like going off of that, is that it is rated R. Like I, I almost feel like the perfect audience for, for what they're going for is like a PG thirteen like middle schooler type of audience to go see it. Like I don't know. I don't think it needs to be this like super gritty evil. Like I don't know. I, when I, yeah, when you were in middle school, would this did this was this even on your radar or what? What when were how old were we in 2013? Were we probably in middle school or was it high school? We might have been in high school. Or high school. Yeah. yeah. Was this even on your radar? Was this something that you were like, because this was my first time watching it. Was it even something like, oh, yeah, let's go see that as a as even a joke? I, like, I didn't. No. That wasn't on no. my radar at all. So. Yeah, Jeff, when was the first time you saw this movie? Um, It was probably, I was probably more like 17 and it was just a cheesy thing to watch for the date. But like, like on Great streaming day, or yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it, it, it kind of, to what Carter's saying about like the middle school age, like it almost scratches the same itch as like the Disney show, the descendants <laughs> of like, it is interesting to like flip. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to take classic fairy tale characters when you're a kid and kind of like grow them up or to do a new spin on it. But like mm-hmm. you kind of grow out of that too. When you, as you get more, I turn into an adult like yeah. you just don't need fairy tale anymore so i think if had they toned it back and his descendants has done well or even once upon a time as a classic you know disney adult people moment. were eating that yeah. up when that was right out. yeah and it's kind of coded like that but mm-hmm. weirdly ramped up to 11 yeah something that i feel like is so indicative of what kind of movie you're in for too is like the opening scene where you see them as children like uh go up to the candy house and like the candy house is like not that like visually appealing like it's not like super enticing and cool it's like pretty gray and muted and then you walk inside and it's just like a essentially like a gross cave for like a like a witch like there's nothing even cool on the inside and it's like ah this is kind of what we're getting and the mm-hmm. witches were like i don't know abby was watching it with me and she was like this feels pretty anti-semitic <laughs> like all the all the <laughs> way they characterized a lot of the witches and stuff seemed pretty I mean, I guess they subvert that later with like the good witches and stuff, but there's there's some weird phrenology that they did throughout the movie that I didn't it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, I does that kind of actually brings me to a, something that I almost I admire is too strong of a word, but <laughs> I I want to say that like there's this like fully practical troll character in the movie yeah. called. Ed, is it Edward? I think is his name or something like that. Edward, yes. Um, and like I wish the whole movie was that. Then they have all this crappy CGI stuff, and the and the witches stuff isn't great. But like, if we had more of like that, like I am all for like the practicality of the world. But then there's just all of this other stuff that gets you fumbled and lost in the weeds a little bit. So that was like the the yeah, one that was shining point for me. I was like, oh, that's cool to look at. A hundred percent. Like that was like something I looked at too and immediately Google because it looked really realistic. Yeah. And I was like, even the mouth movements don't feel like CGI. And it is like sort of a blend of CGI, but like so much of the facial movements were like puppetry too. And it was like all these animatronics. And it is kind of a the weird, like really interesting and impressive thing that came out of this movie was this one um <laughs> character that, whose effects were all really well integrated into the film that I, I thought was cool. He had some really gruesome like murders too, like squished a dude's head and like stomped on a guy. And it was like pretty scary and weird, but yeah, his character was awesome. I almost wonder like if you strip this movie of like, it's weird millennial bacon mustache, keep calm and carry <laughs> on era vibe and put it like either in like a 1980s like dark fantasy like labyrinth or dark crystal uh, a lot more practical puppetry sure and kind of like um a lot more mist and darkness mm-hmm. like and kind of just make it really weird or even like in the modern era of like an over the garden wall style 2d animation mm-hmm. where it's like 
you the saturation of the colors and focus yeah. less on realism and more being a crazy fairy tale. Like I don't think that the story was necessarily boring. It just like the whole vibe of the movie is just weird and off. Yeah, it really is just the product of the 2010s. Like yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, I think I do. I do think there are some interesting elements. Um, one thing that I really liked was uh, whenever they're hunting the f- second witch that they th- like, they have this like witch broom chase through the woods. Mm, and, yeah. Like she like, pops on her broom and just like fucking launches through the window in like a way that was like such like so action packed and like really interesting to see. Um, but I feel like and like that like that fight in the woods is like pretty creative, but also like it is uh, hindered by like the effects of the 2010s. Is that when she like grows the trees out of the yeah. ground? To, yeah, that was that was something. I um, I just am always also so confused. I don't think we even mentioned like the the two stars of this movie are are, are Gemma Arterton and and our guy Jeremy Renner. And um, mm-hmm. this was like I just am so confused by the choice he made because like this is when Jeremy Renner had the world at his fingertips. He was essentially given the Born franchise and the Mission Impossible franchise, and like. Mm-hmm. The same year, Avengers had just come out, and then this is like his his next thing. Like after that, I'm just so perplexed by it. I I don't understand what he was doing, but I mean, we've talked about Jeremy Renner often on this podcast. And, oh, totally. Um, well, this is actually kind of a fun like comparison to Eagle Eye. Like, I feel like both of these are ran by uh, the dudes of the time. Like, I feel like uh, definitely, you know, Shia LaBeouf was like this huge actor for a big time in the early 2000s and oh, yeah. um they all have their projects they all have their weird ones i i think it's really interesting that jeremy renner is constantly getting beaten up and is never really cool in any of his movies and i think <laughs> that's his niche like he can't be too serious and i feel like he was too serious in this most of the time but like yeah he needs to be more like light-hearted too old for this kind of shtick yeah do we think do we think he's a good actor because Shia is a good actor. A, a I do think Shia is a great actor. Uh, yeah, like Shia had his era of weird camp movies like this and Transformers where he's kind of playing that kind of character. But I think he's he's got chops. You know what I mean? Like he can mm-hmm. get there. I don't I don't know why Jeremy Renner was ever that guy. That doesn't I, make he doesn't even have to look for it. I have like seen him be pretty great in the, like I think he's he's awesome in the Hurt Locker and, and the town. But then that's before I think I think the Marvelification of him got to. I just think he just wanted to be the guy. I think mm-hmm. he got in all these IP things, and then he just decided he wanted to kind of be the action franchise guy. I think he wanted to be Tom Cruise, but he can't be Tom Cruise. So, mm-hmm. and then you get things like, like I think Tag is perfectly suited for Jeremy Renner. Like that was the perfect choice for him. And I mean, I enjoyed him in the Hawkeye show. When yeah. he's kind of playing more of the Obi Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. um, and trying less to be the guy, so I get your point. Like maybe a more supporting role. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't think I he can carry a movie. Yeah. Sorry, what'd you say? I just don't think he can carry a movie. I, no. Yeah. Yeah, he's just not really charismatic enough, or handsome enough, or cool. I don't know. He's just not really right. believable in anything, and it's like I I can't believe him as a character actor either, because like. He just is Jeremy Renner. Like, it's a meme now. Yeah. Is, yeah. Do you think if he didn't start like singing, it'd be better? Like, is the fact that he's a musical artist <laughs> kind of oh, he has musical like a musical career? Yeah, he's got like an album, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Boy, I just feel like Hollywood like picks guys to be the next guy, and every generation has it has one that just doesn't happen, like mm-hmm. Army Hammer in the late 2010s. Mm-hmm. Tough. Yeah, obviously, um, he eats people, and Jeremy Renner doesn't. <laughs> but that we know. Yeah. That we know of. Yeah. Um, although he had his fair share of scandal. He had some, yeah, some weird Domestic stuff. abuse charges and things like that. Right. Yeah. That seemed to settle down. Like I feel like he hasn't really been... I mean, he almost died last year, which was... Probably True. Like the most that snowplow thing. thing. Yeah. Which happened the day after Abby predicted that he would die, which was insane. Yeah. Wait. wait spooky. Wait. What? Abby predicted that, that Jeremy Renner was going to die, and then the day afterwards, he almost did, and it was really scary. Oh my god! What a weird niche prediction. I know. It was hey, really weird. I'm not. This is, and maybe you cut this. This is not a comment comparing anything. But isn't it just so crazy that 
what Jonathan Majors did, and which is horrible. If it if true, it's horrible, mm-hmm. right? I'm not condoning anything. Yeah. But what Jeremy Renner was accused of was way more egregious, right? It was yeah. pretty it was pretty aggressive. Um like the accusations were that like he um like put a gun in his ex-wife or like right. wife who he yeah. was divorcing his mouth and like mm-hmm. put it in his mouth and like that never went to court, granted. I guess like with the, at least with like the um Jonathan Major stuff, like there was a court and like people mm-hmm. ruled on it. And so like there was more it it was less like hearsay, I guess. Um yeah. But yeah, it is kind of weird, I guess, that Jeremy Renner didn't get that same type of PR hiding. Right. I'm not, and I'm not trying to excuse Jonathan Major at all, but I'm more more just commenting on like, it's just funny how, or not funny in an it's interesting way of like, he didn't get nearly as dragged through the mud as Jonathan Majors has this year. No, totally. Yeah. I feel like the Jeremy Renner stuff like wasn't. It wasn't as big either. I feel like because like one, it, it it's Jeremy Renner. It's not the like face of. I don't know. I feel like like people were. Yeah. Do you think that? that, Yeah, that's probably a part of it that like Jonathan Majors was the next like it guy. Like he's gonna carry this like next five to ten years of Marvel and now that's. Yeah, I think they could have. Yeah, I think they could have easily just phased out Hawkeye if they wanted to, Um, Mm -hmm. and then but then they did the Hawkeye show, so it's it's hard to say, I guess. But and that was before the cancel era. I feel like. Because that was a, quite a while ago. That was more like 2015, 2016, I feel like. I, uh, it might have been further in the past. I know we talked about it early in the podcast. So I don't Probably. know if it was happening when we talked about it or if it was just like something we were privy to at the time. Yeah, I can't remember either. If it was something that had just like come to light again or come back up that had happened in the past. But I remember we talked about it. Like we were on Renner Watch for a long time in the, yeah. the early <laughs> days of the pod. So yeah, and now I, we are again. Here we yeah, are. sorry, I, I took us on down a weird tangent road there. Back to the movie. I I love it. I, I think it's crazy that we haven't talked about the Jeremy Renner magic diabetes yet. Oh yes, thank God for bringing it up. <laughs> Me and Abby were joking about him being on Ozempic the whole time. Was... <laughs> like at one just... point, he just like shoots in, like the Ozempic into his leg, and then he like saves the kind of like it reminded me of Paul Blart Mall Cop whenever he eats the sucker and then kicks ass at the end. Yeah, um, that's kind of well, what that was. And does it does it be it, maybe I'm just forgetting? Does it become plot relevant at the end, kind mm-hmm. of like a Chekhov's gun moment where it like actually matters, or is it just like a weird detail I, that they throw in? Don't even I think, think it does. Does it? I think it's just kind of tongue in cheek because like he ate the house of candy. Like as a child, right. and, and he, he has had the quote sugar sickness, right? Is yeah, sugar sickness. Yeah, I almost wonder if it's a way. And I'm hogging this podcast. This is you might as well call this, this is, a Jeff. This podcast. is why you're here, buddy. But <laughs> like, I I wonder if it's their way of being like, just so you know, this is Hans and Gretel. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> he ate the can. Because other than you, that, other remember? than the beginning of the movie, this isn't a Hansel and Gretel. They're just oh, no, yeah. no, they're just two badasses. Yeah. So I wonder if that was almost like a studio note of like. This is just a witch hunters movie. You need to make it more Hansel and Gretel. Hansel like, and Gretel. Well, he'll have candy diabetes. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think it was really convenient how they kept showing up to like their childhood home or like the candy home. Um, and it wasn't really because like the plot needed them to. Like they just like happened to show up there and they're like, huh, I guess I'll explore this for a second. And it's like, yeah. oh, I guess this old witch lives here now. Like, sure. Um, and it was just really kind of convenient and not really interesting to me in that way. Bamka Jensen, by the way. Of X Men fame, shout out to her. Who is she? Play, X-Men? Playing, she's Jean Grey playing the main witch in the movie. In this movie, oh my god, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, man. Okay. Anyway, classic. <laughs> Peter Stormare, our guy from Fargo, also showing up. That was interesting as well. He got brutally murdered um, by Edward. Yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the worst ones. Um, yeah, I thought the witch, like the main witch villain, was like fine. I thought her special effects makeup was, was kind of cool though. But yeah. Yeah, I don't have a lot of positives about this movie, I guess, is what I'm what I'm discovering. Yeah, I think that's about that's kind of all I have. I um I didn't even really have a good time with it. There were just there was just the one practical <laughs> Edward thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I laughed at the diabetes thing. So there was that. So I guess they did a know. Matrix arrow homage where like he like dodges like out of the way of like the slow-mo arrow that hits the tree. Oh, great. Yeah. Also, okay, I will say this. Their weapons were like super specific to whatever they needed to do right there in the moment. It's like, why would you design it to like shoot 
with like two guys coming at you from one way and then like you could like pull a lever and then like you could hang someone out. I don't know. Like it just felt very like convenient, but it yes. was fun. Uh, yeah. I like that they had a fanboy. That was a fun, that was a little wrinkle. Yeah. Like, he's like in other stuff too. Right. Like, I feel like he's like one, like one of those guys of the time. One of those guys. eh? I don't even he know. Looks his like name, a, so. um, he looks like a live action Klaus. Thomas mm. Mann. I'm looking him up. He was in Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Mm, great. Um, as who? Mark, don't know who Mark is. As the Shell, oh, is maybe is that is he the guy? I don't know. Project X, Kong Skull Island. I knew he's him from some, Project X. He's got some stuff there. Anyway, mm. anyway, anyway, Hansel and Gretel. All right, should we move on to Eagle Eye? Please, Let's. sweet. Um, before I guess we we. Uh, jump into this i do want to say i i picked this one uh a lot of these are me and carter suggested jeff might throw some in towards the end of our episodes depending on you know what he decides but uh eagle eye was one that i picked because i had it on dvd in middle school and i played it on my portable dvd player all the time and i just thought it was kind of kick-ass as a kid I, i thought it was like kind of a cool concept like this dangerous ai concept was something that was, I feel like at the time, kind of unique. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, like it's 2008 ahead of its time for like what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I feel like if you like the episode of Black Mirror called Shut Up and Dance, where like that's kind of something that's happening, like these two guys are being blackmailed into doing the bidding of whoever's behind the phone. Uh, this is kind of like that, but worse, but also more like bigger scale, I guess, which I, I always really liked. Yeah, I was... I will say this was 2008. I always think of 2008 as a year where I watched a ton of movies and I remember each of them because I got the DVDs of all these movies. Yeah. To like 2008 was the year. Like I had like I had Get Smart. I had Horton Here's a Who. Like I had movies that no one would think of from 2008 that you would watch. So I'm as late as a feather. <laughs> Thank you for the Horton Here's a Who shout out. I say that all the time. Um, And yeah, but for some reason, Eagle Eye, like I had watched it. But it wasn't in heavy rotation. I don't think I ever had the DVD for Eagle mm-hmm. Eye. Um, I bought it at Sam's Club. Attaboy. You know the one. You know oh, the yeah. one. I do know the one. Um, in the bargain bin or something. Yeah. yeah. Attaboy. Um, so yeah, I didn't ever had the DVD. This was always like like on Showtime or something. Like it was mm-hmm. just always on on TV. It was your basic cable movie. And so this was my first time revisiting it in I don't know, a decade probably. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I was entertained. You know, I was I I had fun. Um, it's cheesy at times, yes, but um, you know, I think it's a pretty good action romp. There's some of my favorite actors or pop up in here, like favorite just like screen presences. Like I always love seeing Billy Bob Thornton. Rosario Dawson's always a treat. Just kind mm-hmm. of as Anthony Mackie is there for a minute, which I do yeah. not remember. Yep. Um. And yeah, of course, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about Shia, how this was like kind of peak Shia time right after Transformers where he kind of hit it off. And and I was digging it. Michelle Monaghan, uh, I think at the time I was just like, oh, Mission Impossible lady. But obviously she's popped up in a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. But So yeah, I, I kind of had a good time and I didn't think it sucked as much as I thought it did, which might be the opposite reaction that you had, Jackson, where you thought it was awesome and... I don't know. What I, did you think I still thought it was awesome. I cool. think it was basically what I remembered it. Uh, not not as clean of a story or, or anything like that. But uh, I think, yeah, like Shia is just such a charismatic lead that he kind of played like, I don't know, like the way we see him in the intro where he is um, like hustling all of his buddies at the copy cabana, like in a game of poker is just like such a Shia LaBeouf intro for him. And like one of his strengths of just playing like kind of a, a shit heel smart ass, um, cool guy. Yeah. Even though he's like not a cool guy. Um, I do want to shout out Cameron Boyce also who played, uh, the young son, Sam, who, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Who was really good in that too. Um, but yeah. Jeff, what do you yeah. think? what did you think? This was so this whole series is January, February movies. And I do think Hansel and Gretel is the quintessential, you know, comes out on January 19th. Yes. Kind of movie. This is a March movie. 
<laughs> you think you don't even oh, think this, this counts? Great. This is great. This is a March. Time. I don't think it's a summer blockbuster to fu- like it. It's not an Iron Man that mm-hmm. also came out in 08 and defined that summer. True. But this is a March movie. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was fun. It was like the 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 take on AI was obviously really Hal inspired, but mm-hmm. um it had some really cool, creative, modern methods about it. Like a um I keep thinking about it reading the sound vibrations from the, the cup, cup. The gla- yeah like that was cool like that those sorts of mo- like little touches there like okay somebody put real thought into this like like this is all really cool and fresh um yeah i thought it was the action scenes were great the car scenes sometimes were kind of hard to follow mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's just a car chase scene so it doesn't take a rocket scientist i don't know I, I had a lot of fun with it this was a um a movie that ages well in your brain, I think kind of like to what Jackson's talking about, how it was awesome then. And it's awesome now. Yeah. I feel like it does some stuff with technology that like is so ridiculous. It's like, Oh, okay. It controlled the cranes. Cause there's an automated crane sticker on like the <laughs> side of it. Cause it's like, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But then they showed like the, the little sign that like they're like computer operated or something. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, I guess, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like for a movie that does this, I think it basically hit every type of technology you would want to see be controlled by an evil AI. Like it did like all the green lights so you could speed through stuff. It did like the cool drone chase at the very end of the movie. Like it it hit a lot of those notes. And then like simultaneously it has this wild, really like intricate and like, I don't want to say good, but like, I feel like the plot to like kill all those people was like really interesting and like mm-hmm. kind of creative how like they, they introduced like this, like um, this like rock that can explode up to like whenever a certain frequency is hit, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, you had like the whole like trumpet, like performance for like the, at, what, what was it? At, what was the event that they were holding? State of the Union, right? State of the Union, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where like all of the like top ten most important people are in like one room, and then like the guy who you know tried to give the order to back down, and the AI was backing him at the beginning of the movie, um, but he was denied by the president. He's going to become president, and like like the Michael AI baby. worked together. Michael Chiklis, which I thought was really fun too. It was cool seeing like actors that I didn't know at the time, yeah. And then like going back and rewatching it and be like, oh, I know a lot of these people actually. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I will say one big plot hole for me is that, uh, obviously they're going to rehearse the state of, for like the state of the, the state of the union. So it should have exploded like well before, uh, you know, that, that event, but, uh, but yeah, yeah remarkably for, for an AI that thought of everything. And I did think I want to comment before it drops on my brain. I felt like before the AI reveal of like, jump now jerry like mm-hmm. that kind of thing was really cool and well done of like you're like oh what's going on what how's this kind of thing controlling everything anyway mm-hmm. back to the trumpet i do agree that i think that that was pretty flimsy in terms of an ai that can control and think of everything you would think mm-hmm. they'd have a rock solid plan like kids get sick you know what i mean kids get nervous they throw up kids cry they don't want to like to think that this kid's just gonna and, and he's gonna hit the exact right note Kids, kids suck sometimes. They might, right. I mean, sure, it's a music magnate school and like it's like this high honor and they're probably really talented, but like kids fuck up notes sometimes. I played trumpet older than him and I definitely wasn't hitting that high note all the time. I think for something that, that will literally spare your life, depending on whether or not you agree with its probability math, you would think it would probability find a way that's way more secure than the whole crux of your plan being on an eight-year-old. Especially when you consider that like they had the plan for them to go through the airport um, and get on like a regular plane. But at the same time, they also had a plan for that like briefcase that had like the countdown for them just to get into that military box the second they get spotted in TSA and then like inject them with like this ooze that can help them breathe <laughs> in. And also it only had a 92% survival. So it's like, all right, well, what if both of them die? And well, then... <laughs> That was the one thing, the main thing I had in my notes is the damn briefcase. Like they put like this AI has to have Jerry in order to unlock the thing for its whole plan because it's twin brother thing. So why would it put him in such intense and high danger of robbing this Brinks truck over a contingency plan, which, and it's crazy that this Brinks truck is carrying this really specific gun for this specific need anyway. And 
Isn't it in Indianapolis of all places? You yeah, betcha. which which is so funny because it does not. It's not Indianapolis. No. Like living there, it's like oh, obviously that's like way nicer than whatever Indianapolis actually <laughs> is. Um, it's probably in Vancouver or something. I imagine um, wherever they were filming. Uh, yeah, like you and they've they've the AI has recruited other people along the way. Who's to say you couldn't get some grunt to do the dangerous robbing of the truck? Right. Like, why do you need Shia LaBeouf like, to do yeah, it? Bring Shia LaBeouf in at the very last step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I just said, yeah, I felt like the whole briefcase thing was like so overplayed to just, oh, it helps them get on a plane. Like, I don't know. No, I get it. I will say another fun comparison that I drew after watching these is these are two movies, like we said, with the mid 2000s action star at the helm. And there's two sets of twins in these movies as well, coincidentally, with um, Shia LaBeouf playing both him and his brother, um, which was good. I thought that the emotional stuff of the movie was hitting for me personally. Like with like the you know the yep. mother son story and then like the Shia and his dad don't really like see eye to eye especially with his brother da- like being dead and 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 like there's that sequence which was like so fucked up like in like when the video store where like the AI is just like just destroying Shia mentally by showing him like home video he walked like earlier than you did yeah which that's that's a really weird fact that I feel like the AI wouldn't be able to figure out but. Who knows? I guess maybe the dad was like ranting about how shitty his son is or something online. Yeah, the conditional love, the toxic Lorelai Gilmore conditional love of that dad mm-hmm. was was crazy because at the very end, he's clearly so proud. Like, now I can love you. Yeah. You accomplished yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't really like any uh, like addressing of like, hey, no, that's actually fucked up of you to like now accept me just because I'm some giant hero. Um, right. But also, I guess really we blew past this, but I do think the the opening of like Shia walking into his apartment with all like the like bomb and terrorist stuff is like really cool and like such a fun way to like jumpstart the movie. I mean, granted, it's like a little bit further in, but I I just thought that was such a good uh, like and then like the phone call of like you have 10 seconds to get out like the the FBI is raiding your house now like that, such a great way to introduce like the whole concept. Um, it was a really cool like what's in the box moment yeah classic jj like mm-hmm. yeah you just it, it instantly goes oh like that that's the hook you know what i mean yeah it was really mm-hmm. really well done so the ai so i guess i missed that the ai recruited people to put that in there because it was like wasn't he not he wasn't gone that long and like who put all that there well the landlord said in the movie that like people were moving boxes in so it was uh, probably yeah well, that's actually a good question because, like, I guess it could have been like regular people dropping that stuff off, but they had to like make it look like a terrorist like cell like situation. Yeah. So, like, I guess they must have had someone who was being told by the AI to make it look like he was really into the, <laughs> the terrorism. I guess why? And, and confession didn't do a rewatch. I did Big a confession. Couple, I did a quite, couple quite YouTube right. re- recaps. Amazing to get me back up to speed. What? Why did he need to be framed as a terrorist? Aren't there other means of getting him to the Pentagon? Um, what was that whole a, subplot with Tom? That's a good point. Uh, I think maybe to make him super desperate. Because it's like, if sure. you don't comply, they'll just think you're you need a terrorist. A dry, you need, yeah, you need something. Yeah, right, okay. So it's like, you're either a terrorist or you do what I say, and then you can clear your name. Fair. And I, I think that's Fair, I probably... Suppose. That's a, that's totally a fair point, though. Can I have another uh, throw another like little like uh, this all knowing AI? How mm-hmm. th- so? This guy like drives the van out to the middle of the into the power lines and then like tries to run away and somehow the power lines just break Snaps. off in just the right way and snap and set this. And then he just like fire. gets dusted. <laughs> yeah, he like, just like poofs into smoke. Um, like that's tough. Yeah, also, that is one of the of, most absurd like yeah. things. Speaking of what's in the box, like I'm pretty sure that was the same filming location there with all those power lines, but maybe it wasn't. Oh, it's totally could be. It's supposed to be in Chicago, but I doubt it was. So, anywho, I'm gonna Jeff. Going back to your question earlier, I do think part of the reason that they framed him as a terrorist is because it implicated his twin brother, who she was trying, like the AI was trying to like, because like the like discredit. the brother was yeah was trying to discredit mm-hmm. him because the brother was in on the project, knew that shit was going down and like left those messages later for like Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's actually kind of, an interesting point, which is kind of interesting. Cause that is a whole subplot 
that happens and needs to happen in order for like the plot to progress and the main characters have no idea that that's like even like going on like that is kind of just like two kind of separate stories that briefly intersect um but don't necessarily rely on each other i guess fascinating yeah Mm. i i I was was gonna say that i just have to point out i just drew this connection now that this year we got two movies that end in a supposed oh you play this instrument and a bomb will go off because that also is the end of get smart as well and that also gets thwarted and that's 2000 wait you're right and yeah. we're gonna oh, talk about that too yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so like Boilers, what but... what's so like what's the deal there like what were we doing in 2008 that Good must stuff. be like some classic spy trope right like that has to be like surely that wasn't invented in 2008 no i just that might have been a, a cheeky get smart thing since that's like a remake Must've. of a tv show but yeah who knows also great year for shia this was kingdom of the crystal skull year too just want to throw that out there mm. also i will say the way that they put the valve into the trumpet and like you saw like how it like the detonator device <laughs> yeah which is weird that it needs to have well, I guess the valve is like what had the like the rock in it, I guess. But I feel like the way that it was implemented, you would like notice that something is wrong with your trumpet the second you're like trying to use it. But again, maybe this kid sucks, you know, doesn't know. <laughs> and then he got rock band at the end of the movie. And that was that was fun. <laughs> now, that made me that put me right back in the time frame that, oh, yeah, this is 2008. I'm with you. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. <laughs> this while this movie's happening, Saltburn is happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. And do, do we need like the leads to like end up together? I don't know. And honestly, oh. I don't even know if we needed Shia to live. I was going to ask you, like, like, his, does, his... would it have been better if he like his sacrifice was that, you know, he died for his country, quote unquote, like took that, took the bullet. I didn't, I didn't need them I think to be together. Kind of would have been cooler. Yeah, yeah. Cause like the, the end of him just like running in and just like firing the gun in the air, which is like, cr- honestly, like a pretty cool, uh, like finale to like what was leading up to it. Um, a little too close. I feel like he should have fired that gun a little quicker. Um, yeah. got literally to like the last note. That kid could have easily gotten it off before he realized what was going on. But also, do you think he could but, have uh, yeah. put his fire the gun then put his hands up? Like, do you think they wouldn't have shot him then if he had just like he was still holding the gun? Maybe he should have just I don't know. He could have just been like, hey, hey, yeah, he yeah, was, he's like he. He, he could have done peacefully protesting. <laughs> he could have done like get smart and just tackled just the kid. <laughs> yeah. He could have thrown soup on the president and then like glued his hand to the <laughs> vice president's face and then and then that would have been it. Oh man. A lot of what else, uh, man. Can we talk about why his name is Jerry? <laughs> Jerry is insane. What a horrible action star name. I mean Jerry like Shaw. in the world yeah. of Jack Reacher and like yeah Tony Jerry. Stark. We have Jerry. Yeah. What an every man kind of name. Yeah, I don't agree with the take that he should have died because he was just he was just a dude living in an apartment playing cards with his buddies. And okay. this got thrust upon him. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't he didn't have anything to pay for. Like, I mean, there was no recognition yeah. needed, I don't feel like. Fair. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I just I maybe I just didn't love where we saw the character because he didn't really make up with his dad. There wasn't like a conversation there. That would have been nice. Um he didn't really so I guess maybe we can assume that like he made up with his dad. Um I feel like his dad should have admitted that he was fucked up for that. But also, I I don't think I needed them to be like romantic at the end. Like, if you want to have him show up to the birthday party, whatever. But like, I didn't think it needed to be like this romantic thing. Yeah, I'm I, with you. Though. I feel like that's an art- artifact of the time. I don't need- totally. Like, I feel like movies do a better job about that now. That's an like Obama administration trope, up. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess this would have been pre-Obama because everyone was white as hell on that uh cabinet for sure like everyone is super white it's a it's a john mccain alt reality (laughs) it must have been drone striking everybody (laughs) yeah wolf yeah i will say too yeah like the like the era of drone strikes and like the middle east like wars and stuff like this was like a very like interesting time capsule movie to like also like Mm -hmm. to show like that side of it like with the intro but also to like to kind of show like it didn't portray it in like a positive light either. I feel like it was kind of yeah they fucked it up. Yeah, like it was like pretty critical of like oh yeah people make the wrong call innocents are killed like it's not necessarily a good thing. Like I don't know I feel like it was like a pretty affirmative and, and especially in two thousand and eight where you yeah. know being critical of that stuff was not nearly as favored at the time. Not that it's making like a super anti uh, 
point against it. But but I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. What's that point against what? Uh, just like uh, like drone warfare oh, and like yeah. uh, like disconnected on the battlefield and and you know like yeah the fact I mean, that they showed a drone strike on a, a funeral yeah um, and like they mention it throughout the movie too like and how it like starts up a lot of tensions and and I don't know I just thought that was kind of interesting just the perfect in betweener of like the Bush and the Obama administration it's got all yeah. the all of it going on so mm-hmm. yeah I had a hoot with Eagle Eye man I'll tell you what it's good stuff Me too. I found some some funny letterbox reviews for it. Oh, sweet! Yeah, let's just move on then uh, and go. Oh, to... sorry, is that a segment? Yeah. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> We're back. So, Jeff, what's in the box is our segment where we talk about letterbox, or we'll share some of our favorite reviews, and then we'll also rank it uh, amongst our uh, seeing double movies. So, uh, I guess Carter, do you want to start us? Or I guess Jeff, you can start us off. Uh, what uh, letterbox reviews have you brought for us? For um, Hanson Gretel? Either, yeah. Okay, and these aren't my own, right? These are ones that I found. Right, yep, yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, my two Hanson and Gretel ones I found is one guy gave it five stars and a heart and said, first CD I've ever bought. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good for that guy. Dated, I was dated three days ago, so I don't know if that means <laughs> he just bought it. Uh, or what? Well, he was nostalgic. And then I found another one that was also from three days ago with one star. And it says, this is the stuff Jeremy Renner is made for. The sexual energy between the siblings is off the charts. <laughs> okay. Honestly, that's such a fair point. Cause I did not know it. Like I didn't know the lore enough, I guess I was like, are they are related. Right. Cause like they were kind of like weirdly incestuous. I don't know. There was something there that was a little <laughs> freaky to me. No, he was, he was getting down with the good witch, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got I got two from from that that I'll bring up real quick. Uh, one's from Biba that I wanted to shout out. One Ooh. star. It says Jeremy Renner and his Ozempic against the world. That was pretty <laughs> great. Um, and then this is from an account called PT99. And it's two stars. And it says hashtag not all witches, uh, which I thought was pretty great, too. <laughs> Jackson, that's the one review I brought from Hansel and Gretel. I thought that oh, was perfect. Am- I okay, thought that cool. was amazing. Hashtag not all witches. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> um, and then yeah, Carter, do you want to do a if you have an eagle eye one? Yeah, I just have one eagle eye one. Uh, two stars from Iggy. Uh, pretty sure DJ Caruso is just the name of some action movie generating algorithm. Who is the director of <laughs> that Eagle? That might eye. be the case. So, yeah, great stuff. That's the only one I have I like from that. from Eagle Eye. Yeah, I have one from Melissa Garcia, three and a half stars. As dumb as this movie is, I still feel like it's underrated. And I I agree with that. Huge. I have a couple from Eagle Eye that I thought were funny. This guy named Sock, who's a patron. So Sock spent oh, 50 nice. bucks on Letterboxd, nice. which I did too. Um, <laughs> but the tag for this is Alone. And it's two and a half stars. And it says, the first time I did mushrooms, I couldn't stop talking about this movie. And truthfully, everyone should have been more scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You don't understand. It's going to um, happen. So good. <laughs> this is a four-star review from Jay. And it says, I always thank my Alexa just in case. <laughs> and the final one's from William, which is three and a half stars with a heart that says, IDK Aria was kind of onto something like, fuck the president. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So that was so good. This movie's um, aged so well. Uh, and, then, and and then as far as ranking goes, we only have two movies right now. This list will grow and we'll get a little bit more interesting, uh, I think, as conversation goes. But for right now, we have Eagle Eye and Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. What order do you want to place these in? Which is the best? Which is the worst? I mean, are we putting on a show here? Are we building up anticipation? I think it's pretty obvious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be... Yeah, it's got to be Eagle Eye at the top for now. Yeah. And Hansel and Gretel is... I think there's a, these are two really good bookends to start us off because like, yeah. I was pleasantly pleased with Eagle Eye and I just... Mm-hmm. I got what I expected from Hansel and Gretel. So I think we have our floor and our ceiling for a little bit and I'm yeah. kind of curious to see where some of these there's, other ones go. There might one be one worse. 
There's one on the list that's going to be number one, baby. I can't wait. <laughs> spoilers, but we all know which one. We all know. We no all know. spoilers, but um, I think the one you're talking about is one I have never seen. So I am so excited to go on the journey. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should all watch it together. Oh, we can definitely do that. I'm in. Absolutely in. Perfect. Amazing. Spoilers. All right, let's move on to You Feeling Lucky. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Which is, uh, Jeff, this is a little segment that kind of varies week to week uh, based off of what we're doing. It's usually a fun little game. And today I've made a game called the Newly Fed Game. And uh, you guys are two new AIs fighting for a chance to become the next big asset for the NSA and FBI. I'm going to give you some questions. You're going to answer the questions. Whoever gets the most right. Uh, is going to be the winner. Maybe if you get one wrong, the other person can steal. Um, let's just get into it. Question number one, Jeffrey, who was the seventh president of the United States? Yeah, I was homeschooled. Not sure. <laughs> I know it's not Lincoln. Uh, I know it's not George Washington. Um, goes Washington, mm. Adams, Jefferson. That's true. Adams again isn't it like Adams' son. It's it's like a different Adams. Yeah, I'm gonna embarrass myself. I'm not sure. Mm. Carter, can you steal for a point? Um, I know it's Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, uh, Polk. Guys, this is not a great start to no, this game. If I'm don't being hire honest, us. the answer is oh. Andrew Jackson. Oh, that guy. Actually, probably bad yeah. guy. Bad guy, that Andrew Jackson. Yeah, not a good dude. Mm-mm. Not a good dude. We um, love twins, baby. Good stuff. Okay, moving on to question number two. Carter, what yes. happened on November 22nd, 1963? Oh, my God. Uh, our, uh, our boy JFK was assassinated. That is correct. Yes. That is one point for Carter. Yeah, Okay. He not pulled that up fast too. Not was, not fair difficulty. I was there. I was at the book depository that day. Yeah. Okay, James Franco. <laughs> Great series. Noel. Um <laughs> uh Jeff, what high school did Carter attend? I mean, how would I possibly I know You're it was an AI? A, you I gotta know, be good. I know it was in Bloomington. Mm. Um Bloomington Heights. Mm. Ooh. That is incorrect. Carter, would you like to steal? I'm allowed to steal. <laughs> you can steal. Uh Bloomington High School South. That is correct. Good Go job, Panthers. Carter. Thank you. Bullshit. Um, Bullshit. Carter. Uh-huh. What's what city does Jeff live in? I mean, Indianapolis is not correct. Or is it? No. I'll just say, uh, I'll just say, um, you did move. I might not know it either. uh, Oh, well then I'll just say Fishers and that's not correct. That would have been correct one month ago. I live in in Pendleton. Pendleton. I live no joke across the street. My neighborhood you cross the street into the other neighborhood, that's Fisher's. Son so of that's a funny. gun. Okay, I knew the general <laughs> area. All right, Jeff has one point now because he knows his own city. Um, <laughs> question number five. This one goes to Jeff. When's my birthday? April 23rd, 1998. That is, that is correct. Amazing wow. poll. Great stuff. Carter, mm-hmm. how many siblings do I have? Hmm. <laughs> Three. That's that's not correct. No. Bummer. Jeff, would you like to steal? Yeah, I think I always am surprised by the number, but I can only think of one. Mm. Um, I I've met one. Carter, let let the audience know. I've known Carter for like seven years. And mm-hmm. Jeff, I was in your wedding. <laughs> so I, I've known you for what five years? Mm. A little over five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you 
you have a, a complicated family tree. My family tree is incredibly complicated. I've so never I'm just gonna say met. nobody got that one right. No, never no, no. no. I think it isn't it four. You have four, isn't there five siblings total? I will give that to you, Jeff. I have two half siblings and two step siblings. Yep. There's five of us. Um, yeah, I'll give that to you. Boy, no, uh, I haven't met okay. a single one. That's true. I don't think he... Uh, no, Jeff met my sister. We went to the yeah, zoo Your together. sister went to the zoo with us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's super fun. Very nice. Um, Jeff, what number episode is this podcast? 168. That's correct. That was to see if you were paying attention earlier. Shouldn't have made a Carter big deal about it earlier. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Carter, mm-hmm. how did Jeff and I become friends? You met in college. Can you be more specific? You met in a film studies class. Oh, Jeff, oh, Jeff, Jeff is shaking says his no, head. but Jackson says yes. I don't know. <laughs> I know why Jeff is shaking his head. It wasn't a film studies class. Oh. I, mean, I guess it kind of was. It kind of was. Because we, we were studying film. how to make films, but it wasn't like we were studying films. Oh, Although we did study some films in that class. That is true. We watched... Was it like a it was a directing class or what was it? Yeah. Well, yeah, in general. Hmm. Um it wasn't what? directing, but it was how to make a how one make a stop movie? shop movie. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, but we did watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. which I hate and Jackson loves. That's Ooh, true. We also bold. watched Lion, which I do love. That movie. Which one? Lion? Yeah. Lion. Dev. Mm-hmm. Nicole. Yeah, I, I did want to add one thing is that one of the reasons that we brought you on is because me and Jeff and our buddy Evan, who's been on the podcast, we all kind of started becoming friends. One, because we were in that class together, but also because we'd on Wednesday nights, we'd go rent the shittiest movie we could find. And then we'd get a really, an even shittier pizza from the same place that you could rent the movies from. And uh, that's kind of how we started hanging out. And it was pretty fun. Raiders, Gretel, of, the Raiders of the Lost Shark, baby. That's where it all starts. Wow. Um, Okay, Jeff, here's another question for you. Okay. A clip from what movie plays at the end of every RCR podcast episode? Mm. Does he make it to the end? Um, I don't. Wait, like during the credits? Mm-hmm. Like at the very end, what's the last audio clip? What movie is it from? Uh, I can't pull that one. Mm. That's a that's a tough question because I mean, if you're like me with podcasts, like when they're wrapping up, I just get out of there. I don't I don't yeah. finish you, you it all dip. the way. I dip. Um, Cur- but it, Carter, would you like to answer? Yeah, uh, it's from the Truman Show. That is correct. Oh yes, is it? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good- yeah. yeah, yeah. You knew it. Um, you knew it in his The final question, Carter. Mm-mm. What are my top four on Letterboxd right now? Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say um, Eternal Sunshine. Um, do you have Christmas Carol on there right now? Muppet Christmas Carol? I'll throw Muppet Christmas Carol out there. Um, hmm. What else did what else do you like? You like a lot of stuff. Um, I'll say um two thousand one, not right. And um I'll throw Fargo out there. I'm just thinking of things we've covered recently. That's incorrect. Jeff, would you like to steal? Yeah, I was actually just snooping on your profile not long ago. I want to say aliens is one of them. Uh, I think it's Eternal Sunshine, and then there's sometimes it's when Harry met Sally, but I also could imagine the one with um, who's Kirk Douglas's kid who was in Ant Man, Michael, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas, the like Merowitz stories are. Mm, he's not in that movie, but yeah, that's a good movie. Oh, he's not. Dustin uh, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman's in that. Okay, maybe. Yeah. And then I oh uh inside Lewin Davis. Mm, that, was like that, too. that was up there. That was up there. 
Mm. Um, or maybe before sunset. That's also up there. That for one me. was up there. Mm. Jeff, I'm gonna give it to you just because you got three out of the four. Nice. Scream. Scream is the one. Oh, that's uh, a recent one that yeah, I don't have. That. But yeah, it was uh my top four is Eternal Sunshine, When Harry Met Sally, Aliens, and Scream. And you just added Harry Met Sally and Scream like recently mm-hmm. too. Yep, yeah. those were recent first time watches, and I love them. Nice. Um sweet. So that puts Jeff as the superior AI, and he will soon join the ranks of the NSA and the FBI. Thank Congratulations. God. Oh, Rosario Dawson tears out my brain. <laughs> <laughs> A dream come true. Amazing. Great stuff. Wow. Wonderful. Um, final, final thing I'll do before we go. It's our first fantasy film update of the year for season three. And not a whole lot going on right now. The only thing that has happened is Mean Girls, drafted by Steph, uh, is currently carrying her into first place right now with a total of 32.16 points. Not bad, actually. That's actually, yeah, pretty solid. I'm pretty sure like last year, if you were in the 30s, you were pretty, you know, respectable. Like you're not a flop, so... Shout out to Mean Girls. That's all that's going on right now. Um, Sundance is coming up this weekend. A lot of people have some some coals in the fire for Sundance. And uh, and yeah, the only wide release this week is uh, Mina's pick, which brings me to you. And that's on her bench. So mm-hmm. also technically not getting points yet. So it's Steph's world right now. And we're all living in it. Jeff can Amazing. relate. I believe. Amen to that. Yes, sir, <laughs> brother. Beautiful. Um, with that. That that's it, Jackson. We did it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, Jackson, thanks, where can Jeff. You follow us. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks for yeah. <laughs> thanks for being yeah. here. Uh, we're excited to have you for like the next couple couple of weeks. We we won't have you next week because that's Oscar knobs, I think. But after that, it should be a lot of Jeff content, which I am yeah. excited for. Episode one seventy through one seventy four. Exactly. He gets, he gets it. There he is. Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Follow us on uh, socials at roughcut underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. Um, shout out to Film Yap, who loves to platform us, and we love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Carter, where can they follow us on X? Uh, you can follow us at roughcut underscore co. Check us out there. We post all the episodes mm-hmm. there as well. Uh, yeah, come back next week. We'll have, I believe, Corbin and Cody on next week to discuss our Oscar nom reactions, make some picks. And then we'll get back into the uh, the weeds of February with Jeff. So exciting stuff coming Amazing. this month. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thank you once again, Jeff, for coming on. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night.